0: Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown.
1: Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. Certainly appreciate you listening today. And if you hear that sound? That means it's time to head to Birmingham, Alabama, and talk to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn, good morning, and how are you doing today?
0: Oh, we're doing great. I, we really appreciate y'all sending us that mess y'all had uh, come through there last night. So, uh, you know, thanks a whole lot for doing that. It started uh, bad thunder and lightning here probably about uh, uh, 5 a.m., I guess, 5 to 6 a.m., and uh, I'm looking out my window now, and it's still uh, windy and raining and uh, all that stuff. So we're talking off the air. Y'all had it come through during the night. Well, we appreciate y'all sending it to us. Well, I
1: left, and I made my way to uh, Dallas, so certainly I missed it, so it's not my fault. We'll blame you. We'll blame John Tabor for that. Uh,
0: Lynn, we, we, blame, we blame him for a lot of things,
1: don't we? We do. We do. That's right. John Tabor's is the, usually the, uh, the blame guy. He takes the fall for everything. Uh, interesting what I've been talking about this morning, and, Lynn, I just really can't get over it. I know that just a couple of things I want to talk to you about. I'm going to start with basketball, and I, I talked a little bit about this uh, on uh, Thursday on the Sports Company. But it's going through and talk with the show and listeners of the show today. I watched, Lynn, I went and put four games from the SEC venue on a, a watch ESPN. It's a, I have a watch ESPN, and I get it on the monitor, the computer monitor HD, so it's crystal clear. And put it on, and you get audio from one. And then I would change and go to the different audio. Basketball, to me, the point unless you have Kentucky involved or it's a big rivalry game, Southeastern Conference basketball is the lowest that I can remember in my lifetime. It's just not a good product.
0: Well, it's con- there's no question it's it's consistently mediocre, uh, at least at this point. Except except for for Kentucky. In fairness, we'll I mean we'll see uh, in a few hours uh, exactly where South Carolina stacks up. They are playing in Lexington, and that's a, you know that's a tough nut. It's tough to win uh, on the road in any conference, uh, and in the SEC certainly. You know, follows that, but uh, but South Carolina's got a shot to, to really stake a claim today. Uh, Florida is is uh, you know is not a bad team at all, and and they're you know they're in there as well. Um, beyond that, you know I'd say I, I think Georgia's got a good team. Their record's not as, as good as some others, um, but you know Alabama, Mississippi State, at least at this point have exceeded where they where they should be. Um, I think there's a number of teams maybe that that have an Arkansas, maybe even though the record's fourteen and four. Uh, you know, they may have kind of underachieved because they're only at, at uh, 50-50 in the conference. And um, and you certainly got some teams that, that – uh, I think Vanderbilt's a dangerous team in spite of their record. Uh, you know, Tennessee, the, the LSU, goodness. Uh, you know, A&M, A&M might be the biggest disappointment so far. We knew Missouri was not a good team. Um, but, you, you know, you got the next two or three games. It's kind of deceptive at this point, Nick, because uh, while some teams have a better record and some have a worse record, you haven't done a complete round-robin of the, of the schedule yet, or the conference yet, and, and some teams may have fewer losses because they've played fewer teams ranked ahead of them, and another one might have more losses because they've played more teams ahead of them, and it'll kind of equal itself out. But I do feel like overall, you're right, probably the only three teams right now that I, I think would be comfortable for saying they're going to make the tournament would be South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky. If you remember uh, one a couple years ago that South Carolina got off to a real really, really good start, and everybody assumed they were in the tournament, and they it seems like they lost about seven or eight out of the last ten games, and they didn't make it. So even even at this point, a team that's got a, a good record like that's not a sure thing because they, uh, they could always fall on their face.
1: Yeah, and I will be honest with you, Lynn, I would like to see, and I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it would be good for the league if South Carolina could go in and defeat and defeat Kentucky. And I know we talked about it earlier today. If I'm a one-and-done player, I'm that good at basketball, and I'm going to go for one year, I'm not going anywhere else but to the University of Kentucky. I saw how Ben Simmons' uh, year went in uh, Baton Rouge. So if I'm a one-and-done player, I'm going to Lexington. So I'm pulling for Frank Martin in the game, a 100%. Yeah, it
0: would, it would be good. It would be good for college basketball overall. It would certainly be good for the SEC for somebody to knock Kentucky off, it look like they're on a, on a plateau with them, and right now South Carolina looks like the, uh, you know, looks like the most likely prospect to, to make that happen. Uh, I try not to, you know, have favorites in games where you don't have a dog in the hunt, but uh, but I, I agree with you. I think it'd be a good thing for South Carolina to to win the ball game. Yeah, I
1: talked to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in a, in a rainy uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Glenn, uh, one thing I did talk about, we're going to make a transition of talk a lot of college basketball and talk, still talk to football because football is uh, still on the horizon. But as you look uh, at college basketball in the SEC, and, you know, I really look to see, in other words, if it's a rivalry game, you're going to see you cover a lot of games. And I'm just curious of how attendance is for the games that I don't get to see on TV because it appears that attendance is, a down, is down in most arenas.
0: Yeah, it's, it's down some, but it's not. I don't think it's as bad as perception is. Um okay. you know, you still you still got the situation, and and there's no excuse for not having a full house because uh, every every school in the conference has got, you know, five figures of students, and uh, you know, students ought to get out and, and pack the place for their home team the same way they do for football, and, and they don't. But um, it's different. It's different with football. Because footballs on weekends, and uh, and you've got some places, uh, you know start startville oxford auburn uh you know somewhere you're not in a major metropolis and and uh, and they're on tuesday nights and wednesday nights when you got work days in church and uh it's a little bit different but uh with that being said uh as long as you as long as your product is is uh middle of the road and you're not you're not winning I a mean, that's of human nature in any, in any sport the teams that are winning are generally the ones that are going to be having the, the best support and Southeastern Conference basketball, for the most part, you know, doesn't get there. We need, those, we need those years again when the SEC was getting five and six teams. You know, and that, was, that doesn't, doesn't seem that long ago, but it, it, may, have, it may have been. But uh, there have been years when the conference has been right up there with some of the others and getting, getting teams there, and that just hasn't been the case lately. And uh, as an SEC guy, we need that to happen.
1: Yeah, and, and I will say this, and one of the reasons I think you don't see that anymore is because of the lack of patience. Now, the SEC has put all this money into these nice arenas, number one. And number two, they don't have a realistic vision of themselves. It takes years to develop those relationships with high school coaches. You look at Stansberry. Suddenly he was no longer good good enough for Mississippi State. Well, how have they have fared? You look down in Baton Rouge and John Brady, the huge John Brady fan, and John Brady leads, leads LSU to the Final Four. And then a couple of years later, he is gone, and I think realistic of who you are in the basketball world, and you're running off those guys quick, uh, quick trigger, and therefore if you, just about the time somebody builds those relationships again, they're gone. I mean, you mentioned Frank Martin. It wasn't a couple of years ago they were going to get rid of Frank Martin because of his volatile temper, like during a, during halftime or something.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I just uh, I just uh, opened this to, to answer my own question here. Um, I'm looking today. We're, uh, right now in Birmingham, I do have a press pass. I'll be covering the Alabama-Auburn game down in Auburn today. Um, so I'm going I'm to get out in this weather and drive down there because that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. But there are seven SEC games today, everyone, I'm on television. I don't know what the weather is around the league, but, uh, but back, you know, back in the day and not that long ago uh, day, um, you might have two or three games on TV, and the rest of them, if you wanted to see them, you had to go see them. Uh, I'm looking down the road starting at 11 o'clock uh, Central Time. you got Vanderbilt in Florida on CBS going all the way to 7 o'clock tonight. you got LSU in Fayetteville on the SEC Network and in between every other game's on So when you start factoring the reasons why attendance is down, when 100% of your games are on television, um, I, I would think it doesn't take a Harvard lawyer to figure out that uh, there's a a tendency for attendance for attendance to be down, particularly if you got to drive some distance to get to the game. It's not good for the game. Uh, it's not no, good for no. you know for crowd support. But you know it's all about money, and the money's coming from the television.
1: But, you know, and you, and you think about that. You say that at eleven o'clock game. Let's just say an eleven o'clock game in a rural area. You want to be in one of these colleges, not a major metropolitan area, and you don't want. I mean, you don't. If the game is at eleven, you need to be at the arena probably ten to ten thirty. And so right. you're, you're now looking at people getting up at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning with terrible weather to drive. They're, they're not going to do it when they can just watch from the comforts of their own home. You're not going to well, do it.
0: If you're, if, you're, if you're two hours away, you don't get up at 8 o'clock. You'll get up at about 6.30 or 7 on a Saturday morning in, a, in the rain uh, in order to get ready to drive two hours to get there in time for the ball game. And, and I understand why people wouldn't do that when, when, the, when the games were not on TV so much. Maybe that might have uh, happened more. Still no excuse. I mean, the the fan, fans should support their team, uh, you know, if there's any way they can get there to do it. But you know, you got to look at factors that you know the the landscape of college sports has changed, Nick, uh, in football, basketball, and everything, and that's just that's just part of it.
1: Uh, it certainly has, and uh, you know, and obviously you don't like it. I mean, I thought about things, I mean, just outside the box thinking. I you know, on Saturdays we make college football an event. We actually schedule our you know, what time we got to get through across country. we got to start running at 5.30 in the morning so we can be, you know, make it to the stadium by kickoff, whatever it may yeah. be. Basketball, we don't do that. And I often wondered, you know, could you just cut the basketball season in half? <laughs> and you, you played at home on every Saturday, so every two weeks you had a – this Saturday you were at home, the next Saturday you were – and for the group of five schools. But I know that it's not a problem when you get to, you know, several schools in Cincinnati. I'll, it's easy for them to draw. They're real close. Before your rural teams, and and I will say this, and uh, I'm not a marketing guru, but I think when you look, you take all those challenges that you just mentioned. I think you you go by lowering the cost of tickets as well, because it can be quite pricey to go to these games.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, but but basketball, not so much as as football. I mean, basketball tickets certainly cost more than they used to, but I mean, you can still go to a you can still go to a good college basketball game for twenty dollars, twenty twenty five dollars, and you can't, you can't buy, you can't stand the concession line uh, and go back to your seat and spend less than $20 at a football game. So no, yeah. uh, the cost is, a, cost is a factor. But you, you've nailed it right there. You play 12 football games. You play 31, 32 basketball games. You, know, you play 56 baseball games and softball games. Um, so, I mean, yeah, when, uh, every game is critical when you play 12. Every game is not necessarily critical when you play 32 or 56. So that's just another factor there. We're talking about factors that, that impacted, and you've just named another one. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of them. And, and I'm going to be doing a, a feature um, in the next couple of weeks. I'm working with Ticket City, our, that's, that's, our, that's Lindy's ticket partner, um, on pulling some numbers together on ticket demand and ticket cost uh, based on this past football season. But I'm going to be looking at, at what's happening in terms of uh, the cost of tickets the procedures that people go by to get tickets, and what that's done to percentage of stadiums, and may may even tie over to a little bit to to uh, to basketball, and maybe to a lesser degree baseball. Going to going to uh, get some quotes from some some folks out at Ticket City with our partner uh, out there, and maybe a couple of college uh, ticket uh, uh, people, ticket chairman, and uh, it'll be it's interesting. I've started pulling the numbers together, and it's pretty insightful when you uh, when you when you look at it.
1: But right, you know, and I will say this, you, you said that about talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's magazine. Well, you look at the Brown household, a family of five. So that twenty dollar ticket, you're still a hundred bucks out, you're probably gonna spend another fifty at the concession stand, so you're still so in other words, that college basketball game has become a two hundred dollar event and there's thirty one of them. but yet you could sit in front of your couch and get chips and salsa and you got ten dollars invested and you enjoy it. So the so T V does have a, a problem with it. Now I want to turn to another problem because um, we don't make this an Auburn show, so this is really national news. But you look, now entering a 10-day search for an offensive coordinator, I don't think, that, I think that's out of the ordinary. I thought Auburn should be able to get an offensive coordinator by now. I just want to tell you what I think, and you can prove the fallacy in my argument, but I think Gus Malzahn has his guy that he wants. And I think there's another committee somewhere who has to approve of this, and they want somebody with, very, with zero ties – are minimal ties to Gus if they want somebody other than Gus
0: calling the play. Am I looking too more deep into this? I don't know. That's, that's possible. I'll tell you what I'll do for you. Uh, I, will, I will be down in the press room today and on, on uh, the press table at Auburn and we will be uh, seeing folks that you know that are associated with the program and some folks that cover the program. And I'll, just, uh, I'll have a conversation and, and just uh, kind of get some feel for that and see if other people agree with you. And uh, I'll call you off the air and we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in general. I know a lot of people find a conspiracy uh, every time if they, if they uh, are in the grocery store and they walk around and the item that they want's not there, they think that somebody pulled it off the you know, shelf just before they got there to stop them from doing it. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not much on conspiracy theories. However, uh, it's certainly possible that, uh, that, you know, that something like that could be the case. I, I, I know there are, uh, are and have been occasions at a lot of schools where coaches have lost their jobs. Uh, you and I would know of a couple where coaches lost their jobs because they were loyal enough to their staff and the people they were, that they personally were loyal to that when they were told by their athletic director the university president, you will do this, they said, no, I won't. And, uh, and they decided to go back and pack their office. And uh, so those kind of things do happen. Whether or not that's going on at Auburn right now, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I haven't heard that from anybody. But uh, I'll have a conversation about that today and I'll we'll let you know what i find out.
1: Well, I am a conspiracy theorist. I mean, I look out my window and I see the grassy knoll uh, in Dallas. So, certainly, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm not so far as the uh, grocery store. You know, I'm not that bad. But I will tell you something else, too, around college football. I found that it was a, uh, a very good measure by the college football athletic directors met and, and voted. And you will no longer have Jim Harbaugh being able to go to Memphis during the offseason. I think it was 2000, they called it 2016 uh, 139. As of August the 1st, 2017, you will not be able to hold practice uh, the vacation site away from your campus. So the University of Michigan will not be able to go. I Maybe mean, they can do it this far. They will not be able to do that uh, in the future, make their way, and have their practice, such as they did, I believe, in Bradenton, Florida, near IMG. Yeah,
0: good. I, I, that's good. Yeah, as, you, as you know, you and I talked about this two years ago when it started, uh, when uh, you know Jim Harbaugh was running around Prattville, Alabama, with his shirt off and, and had players down there and, Pulling in high school, guys. I, you know, I don't, I don't like all that stuff. I'm, I'm an old traditionalist. Um, I, I, you know, I like it the way, what was they're trying to, they're trying to fix something. That in my mind wasn't broken. Um, and I'll give Harbaugh this. Um, Michigan had been a non-factor for a number of years, and he came in and he had to, he had to upset the apple cart. He had to do something to bring some attention into Michigan. He did that. Uh, they're now having top ten recruiting classes. Uh, they're competing against top ten programs, uh, and um, you've got to give it to him. I mean, he, he brought attention back, and he got them relevant again, and maybe he had to do something like that to get some attention you know, to them. Maybe that's what a few other teams need, Notre Dame, Tennessee. Uh, there are some other teams that uh, you know, have been, uh, not been a, a factor continuous, uh, or uh, consistently over the years. Maybe some of these other teams need something like that too. But, but no, I, I, I didn't like that when it started, and I'm glad that they passed that rule.
1: And that would certainly be a, a good rule. Lynn, as we continue, at the Lynn takes you in every Saturday morning on the uh, Nick Brown show, we talked about the, uh, the state of SEC basketball and moved in. Once I want to get a final touch, you know, you and I have often talked about our desire to have an early signing period. I think one of the, one of the uglies of college football reared their heads. something I want to talk about today. I guess I'll discuss it with you, and that is, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but Randy Edsall, the new coach at the University of Connecticut, they the new offensive coordinator, Lashley, formerly uh, of Auburn. But interesting, it's just the ugly side of college football. There's a, uh, a player that uh, uh, basically he pulled his scholarship. But even after the coaching change, when Randy Edsel got the job, he met with the guy and said, yes, you still have a scholarship. And so now the time went on. And then just last week he said, oh, by the way, he called him up. In fact, he called him and said, hey, I just want to call and let you know, that you no longer have a scholarship at the University of Connecticut. And that is one of those things that is the ugly side. I know that players can change their mind, since you have the big national signing day. we made it a spectacle where they've got three caps, uh, Georgia cap, a Georgia Tech cap, and, and an Alabama cap, and you to choose one. And I think, really, when you offer a scholarship to a kid, I think it gets to a point where they should be. That I'm with you on the early signing period, because certainly an ugly side of college football.
0: Well, I'm going I'm to give you some statistics on this. Um, I've got them them in front of me here. As you know, they're seriously thinking about having uh, an early high school period to coincide with the junior college signing period. There's a period in in, uh, December uh, between the end of the regular season and the the bowl games when junior college players can go ahead and sign. And I think the sentiment leans toward the NCAA uh, voted against having an early signing period in June. The NCAA, uh, the Division I uh, Oversight Committee uh, at, the, uh, at the meeting recently voted down the uh, signing in June uh, idea, and I, and I do agree with that they should have. That's, got to, that's uh, too many inherent problems. But you already are having a signing period when people can sign in, uh, in December. Let's make the players and the teams be serious. And if you're serious about it, if you got a scholarship – sign in December. That's it. And the, the, co- the, the, the players can't uh, jerk the, uh, the schools around as so many have done and leave the schools at the very last minute holding the bag in particular positions because they took the player at their word. Uh, and the player uh, can keep the school at their word. So this is not a situation like you had at Connecticut. We've got a rule, supposedly, that you can only sign 25 players a year. Only out of 85 total and 25 a year. Now, there are ways you can get around it a little bit. And maybe get up to twenty-seven or twenty-eight by doing gray shirts and sticking a guy in another class or whatever. But you've got twenty-five spots that you're supposed to be able to have. Okay, we're we're still uh, almost a month away from signing day, uh, and I'm going to read you right now. Twenty-four-seven is our is our recruiting partner, and I pulled down yesterday the number of commitments that players have got. Let and I'll, I'll say this: I went down the top one hundred players that. Uh, that have not yet committed, and a number of teams that I'm getting ready to call their names out, these players are saying they've narrowed it down to four teams, and three of the ones I'm getting ready to call you out are, are on that list, okay? I want you to tell me, you know, uh, I'm, I'm from Hueytown, Alabama. We're not math geniuses there, but, you know, I can add uh, 25 and 27, and I can add four to it and know that it gets above uh, up to 30. Uh here are the number of commitments right now. Alabama has 25 commitments already. Michigan has 27. Oklahoma has 24. Texas A&M has 26. Tennessee has 27. Uh, I got uh, Maryland, for heaven's sakes, has 28. You've got uh, 23 at uh, Georgia and, um, and 23 at South Carolina. All right. I just named you, I think, eight programs that have already got from tw- from uh, 25 to 28 commitments, and they're all on these lists of players saying, oh, yeah, I'm considering going to Alabama, I'm considering going to Michigan. How are you going to do that? You're only going to do that if the if the teams call a, a boy who has been saying he's going to commit to their school and say, oh, sorry, we don't have a scholarship for you. And so we've got an inherent system where you've got a rule that is not being stuck to, you got... Players that can lie to a team, a team that can lie to a player, and you come up in February, hey, the it's a 100% chance these 27 guys that are listed on here for Michigan are not all going to sign with Michigan. They can't. Either that or these players that Michigan say, and I've got a scholarship for you, and, yeah, I'm, I've narrowed this to Alabama, Michigan, and Tennessee. Well, guess what? Alabama, Michigan, and Tennessee, they've already got their commitments full. They can't sign anymore. So somebody's lying to somebody, and we've got an inherent system that causes that, and if you have a, a early signing period in December, then put the player's foot to the fire and put the school's foot to the fire. If we're serious about this, let's get it done. So I'm all for it, and it would stop. You got both sides that don't tell each other the truth, and it's not fair to the young men in in the case where you string them out, and it's not fair to the school. If you're a top linebacker, and you tell one school I'm signing with you, and fine, I'm going to go with that, and I'm not, and then. Two days before the uh, before the signing period. Oh, by the way, I'm going to sign with so and so. Then you have cheated the school. On the, when it goes the other way, you've cheated the player. So let's have an early signing period. Let's commit to it, and let's make people tell the truth. You
1: know, you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. It's, it's almost like you, you know, it, it's. When you go back to your high school prom days, it's not like you asked three girls and whoever happened to be the prettiest. You said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go with you. This is exactly what coaches are going to do. They're going to go if I'm recruiting a linebacker and I've got this guy. I'm going to If someone that's better than player A, player B is better, then I'm going to take player B and, and tell A I don't have room for him. So I certainly 100% agree with you because what it does, it gives accountability for giving offers. You know, you, you give a lot of offers and you see that out of programs that, and a lot of times people will back away from recruiting those. So I, I agree it would be accountability
0: all the way around then. No question. I mean, that, that, this gets into my Archie Bunker uh, uh, political philosophy. But uh, one of the big problems in, in American society and around the world is not uh, holding people accountable and holding people responsible for decisions they're making for what they do. Uh, boy, you're really teaching those young people good accountability, aren't you, when, uh, when you have a situation like this and you lie to them. Uh, oh, I, would, I would say I would say that uh, that's not showing the right example.
1: Well, and I, think, I mean, we could even take it another show. I know we're going to get off the air in just a few minutes, but you take it and, and that brings up the argument then with the bowl players, you know, with players, were they going to sit out on a bowl game or not? You know, they, they've gone and played to college, but now you look at this situation with Brady Edsel. He got the job at Connecticut, and he calls the kid tells him you still have a scholarship because, you know, the kid was worried a coaching change. And then just like last week, calls and tells him no, and so now this kid's scrambling. He's going to end up, I think, at Rhode Island, an FCS institution, which is nothing wrong with FCS. We love all levels of football here on the Nick Brown Show. But you're right. It's the accountability in college athletics that transfers over into everyday life. Well, Lynn, if you have done it again, as always, Lynn takes you to 10. I hope the weather gets better, and I do apologize for John Tabor for sending that weather your way.
0: Well, you know, you just uh, we 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 know we can count on John some of the time. So, you know, do do us a favor on this stuff, John. Hey, man, have a good time out in Texas too. Eat some brisket for me.
1: I will do that. We certainly. That's Lynn Scarborough, Lindy's Magazine, in a rainy Birmingham, Alabama.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes, on Stitcher, or at redpeachsports.com.